1: Today on NASCAR America, we'll examine Kevin Harvick's dominance in 2018. Is Harvick putting together an historic season? We'll discuss. New dad Dale Earnhardt Jr. tells us about the joys of fatherhood in the latest installment of the Dale Jr. Download. Plus, the Xfinity Series took over the city of brotherly love today. We'll talk about how the Xfinity Series regulars have been making their mark in recent weeks. All of that and more on NASCAR America. And welcome to NASCAR America, presented by Mobile One. Everyone, Marty Snyder, along the Hall of, alongside the Hall of Famer Dale Jarrett, and from Burton's Garage in Huntersville, North Carolina. Our NASCAR insider, Nate Ryan. Fellas, lots of talk about Kevin Harvick with four wins in just the first 11 races of 2018. And DJ, I remember you being on streaks like this where it seemed like you could do nothing wrong. You may not admit it, but I remember that. So what is it like kind of behind the scenes for the four team when you're on a run like this and the mentality of that race team?
2: Well, Sundays can't come fast enough because you're ready to get back and prove uh, what you're doing uh, is for real, not only to everyone else, but to yourself, that you can continue this pace. They probably would- would like to have double features that's the only way they can win more races uh, going at this level that they are right now but quite honestly what it is from a driver and competitor standpoint you, when you get on the situation and, and in a, on a role like Kevin Harvick is right now, you just want to continue to focus on what you're doing that is making you good. You, and you know that you can't sit still with what you have right now because if you sit still, if they say, okay, we've got everybody covered right now, they could win a couple of more races, but come playoff time, they would find themselves looking up to someone else that's been working harder. So you can't quit working, but that's the fun part of it. You know that working hard is only going to make you better.
1: You know, Nate, DJ brings up that focus level. You've spent some time around the four-team lately. Do you get the sense that they are kind of bringing the focus level here early in the regular season that kind of matches their championship run in 2014?
3: Yeah, I, I really do, Marty, and I think it's a return to form that has been a long time coming. If you go back to the first two seasons that Crew Chief Rodney Childers and Kevin Harvick were together, 2014-2015, I mean, they were by far the fastest team in Cup. But in 2015, that drew a lot of scrutiny from NASCAR, and Childers actually told me on the NASCAR NBC podcast last year that it resulted in more than a dozen trips to the R&D Center after races in 2015. So Childers said the team actually backed off a little bit in 2016, and he soon realized that that was Mistake. They tried to almost go slower in practice and not qualify as well because they didn't want that scrutiny. So last year, I think they wanted to get back to that level that they're at this year. And they were those first two seasons together. But because of the switch to Ford, I think they were a little bit slower, uh, just on balance, Uh, stewart House Racing was last year. So I think this year they're right back to where they were those first two seasons together, and they've got it set on uh, supersonic speed, no question.
1: Well, some good points there, Nate. Now, Harvick, of course, swept both stages before scoring his fourth win of the season Sunday at Dover. He earned seven playoff points, always valuable in the fall. And Harvick said post-race the four-team is bringing that playoff mentality to the track every week in the regular season.
0: The
2: thing that we always talk about is how do you playoff race every week? And, you know, sometimes that's hard to do just because it takes time. uh, It takes a lot of effort. But, you know, I really feel like that's where we've progressed to is is, uh, playoff racing every week. And and that constant progression throughout the year, I always felt like that's what the 48 car had on everybody else is they just kept pushing week after week after week uh, like they were in the playoffs from the start of the season to the end. And now it's more important because you get the playoff points to go with it.
1: So what kind of pace is Kevin Harvick on? Well, DJ, we're brought the calculators. Check this out. He's on pace to win 13 races and 20 stages. All of those numbers, I mean, three of those four numbers would be modern era records for NASCAR. Pretty incredible. But I want to get back to what Kevin said because he said some interesting things there. How do you motivate yourself when you're a championship-level team like that? I mean, you've been the rabbit. How do you find a
2: rabbit to go out there and chase? You know, in years past, it might have been a little bit more difficult once we got into having uh, the the playoff system that we have now. There's something out there for you. So, as he talked about, continuing to get stage wins and and get those playoff points built up, we saw what that did for Martin Truex Jr. last year, Mm -hmm. that it made the road. It's still not an easy road. You still have to go out and perform, but it certainly puts you in a much better position to be able to do that. So they have that out there for them to look at each and every week. The other thing that you try to do is improve at places you're not as good historically. So you try to do that. If you can become better there, you know that you're only going to continue to get better at the places that you're already good at, which are most places for Kevin Harvick. But there's just so many things to look at. Those numbers that we saw there and you talked about uh from a historical side of it, just how great that would be. But I think this year because of a number of things, the Chevrolet car not performing as well, we've got a y- lot of young drivers in in seats that normally were taken up by veterans winning a lot of races. Those are very reachable numbers for Kevin Hart. At least double-digit wins and continue to get stage wins. So uh, there's a lot of things there that are more in reach this year. His teammates and Kyle Busch are probably his biggest threats, Mm -hmm. besides themselves getting a little too complacent, and I don't see that happening.
1: Well, on the playoff point note that DJ brought up and and Harvick brought up as well, did they kind of take a page from the playbook from Martin Truex Jr. last year saying, hey, we saw how key that was for the 78 last year. We need to do that in 2018.
3: Yeah, I think absolutely that they have, Marty, and I think it's telling that Kevin Harvick mentioned playoff points a few times during that victory lane interview. I think, like, no question... Teams have realized the importance of playoff points after they saw what Martin Truex Jr. did last year and that he essentially guaranteed himself a path to the championship round uh, before the regular season ever ended. And I think that if you look at Kevin Harvick and really Kyle Busch is in that um, same strata as well, where he's got 17 playoff points, I think both of those teams are cognizant of the way Truex got to the title round last year. And there's no question in my mind that there is a different strategy with stage racing and playoff points in year two with a lot of these teams and I think they've looked at what Truex did last year I think Kevin Harvick is making his way toward becoming almost a cinch for the championship round if he can stay on this pace for the next 15 races
1: we're, we're 11 races in we're talking about him being a cinch for the playoff round <laughs> yeah. in Miami already this is crazy but you know DJ yesterday you said really no flaw in their game right now for the mm-hmm. four team. I love what you said a second ago that you know you look at tracks like Martinsville never been a great Kevin Harvick racetrack Richmond Never been a good Kevin Harvick race track at all. They finished fifth at both of those places. How key is that for a team trying to build a championship resume?
2: Yeah, that's what championships are really all about. In, in 1999, I was having a conversation with Dell Earnhardt, and, and we were talking about races, and he said, I'm going to tell you, and this was getting towards the end of the year when it looked like we were going to win the championship, he said, and we were, uh, were going back to some races that we had that weren't good races, but we made something out of them. The Coke 600, we were a lap down at one time and, and came back and finished fifth in that race. So you talk about Harvick at racetracks that he generally hasn't been good at, now getting top five finishes, he's going to remember that as much as he's going to remember the wins. And that's what Earnhardt was telling me. He said, You probably won't remember where you win in your championship year. It's the races that you performed and came back from, uh, something that could have been devastating to you. So, as Harvick and his team realize, this is really showing them how good they really are right now. And we've known that Kevin Harvick is a great talent, but when he starts performing well at racetracks right. that he hasn't over the years, that just shows you how good they really are
1: and of note that richmond fifth place richmond obviously in the playoffs this year so that's going to be key for them the other thing you said that i found interesting is you said who's really going to knock them off right now yeah, and, and it may just be his teammates and Kyle Busch. Do you think that's the case?
2: That's the case right now. Obviously, the, the Chevrolets, Jimmy Johnson and Chase Elliott and, and others are, are going to get better as this goes on. Uh, I, I certainly expect Denny Hamlin to start performing better, uh, and certainly Truex is going to be in there. They're, they're going to get their uh, cars back to a more competitive state. Not they right. haven't been, but they've had some issues along the way. So You look at Kyle Busch, he's the one that can win as many races as, as what Harvick does, but you know, Clint Boyer is on a great pace right now. I mean, he's putting himself in a position to win, so uh, he's probably the, the threat from there, along with Kirk Busch starting to get more top fives. When you get top fives and running in the top five, then you find yourself finding victory lane. So that's why if you're
1: Kevin Harvick and Rodney Childers, you're thinking playoff points every week, right? want to You want to build those up every Can't week. Can't stop. And that's
2: sort of what you're chasing more than anything else. More than other people, you're chasing those points. You've got to have a big playbook, just like in the NFL. You might win the first 10 or 12 games, but that doesn't assure you that you're going to go to the Super Bowl and everything's going to go great because D defense to start figuring out what you do other teams will figure out more things they're working hard and that's going to continue so you have to stay on top of your game well Kevin Harvick has certainly made headlines
1: on the racetrack but yesterday off the racetrack news was made as well as Reuters reported that the France family is exploring the possible sale of the majority stake in NASCAR for more on that Nate we'll turn to you I know you've been busy on the phones day and night what do you have on the story so far <laughs>
3: Well, as you mentioned, uh, Marty, Reuters reported that NASCAR has been in touch with Goldman Sachs, the investment bank, about possibly securing uh, some suitors who would be interested in buying NASCAR. Uh, NASCAR has had no comment on this. Uh, My colleague Dustin Logg at NBCSports.com, check with them. No comment from them yet. But there was at least one other media outlet that did confirm uh, the Reuters report that NASCAR did meet with Goldman Sachs. I will say, if you're looking to contextualize this, Marty, this isn't unprecedented for an auto race. Series being sold. Uh, Formula One, actually, the deal on their sale closed last year with Liberty Media buying Formula One for somewhere in the neighborhood of about four to five million, four four to five billion dollars. Big number. So uh, it's a story we'll continue to keep watching, but you could have two of the world's top three racing series being sold in a few short years here.
1: Well, Nate, we appreciate your work on this, and you can check all that out at NBCSports.com. We'll see how this plays out over time. Well, coming up, we'll check in with Sirius XM's Pete Pistoni. He's got the latest on the Xfinity Series takeover in Philadelphia. Plus, we'll chat about NASCAR's 40-somethings versus the youth movement. It's all coming up on NASCAR America. Sunday at 10 a.m. Eastern, the networks of NBC team up to bring you English football's grand finale. Premier League Championship Sunday, all part of NBC Sports Championship season, presented by Canada Dry Ginger Ale and Lemonade. Time for our weekly check-in with a co-host of The Morning Drive on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio Channel 90, Pete Pistoni. How you doing, Pete? Doing
4: good, Marty. How are you today? Good to be
1: with you. All All good, man. Can't complain. Hey, you and the Bag Man, Mike Bagley, had the morning drive kind of based around the Xfinity Series takeover in Philadelphia today. How did that event go?
4: It was a lot of fun. Bagman was right there in the middle of it there in Center City, Philadelphia. We had about 12 drivers come through. Lots of fun talking to the Xfinity Series drivers. They're going to be there all day, all night. Daniel Hemrick's actually throwing out the first pitch tonight at the Phillies-Giants game there at Citizens Bank Park. So it's a great event. It helps the Dover race, which we just had, and, of course, the Pocono race, which we're going to have. And it's always good to shine the spotlight on the Xfinity Series drivers. And we did that this morning. We had a lot of fun with it. Hey, while we're talking
1: Xfinity Series, what has the fan reaction been to less Cup drivers in these Xfinity Series races?
4: You know, Marty, I think, generally speaking, it's almost overwhelming that the listeners seem to like the fact that we've got less cup drivers in these races. Now, there's a few out there that want to see the cup drivers, but I think, for the most part, fans like the fact that the spotlight has been on the Xfinity Series regulars for the last four weeks with the Dash for Cash races. And I'll tell you this, it hasn't hurt that those four races were really good races. I mean, all four started with Bristol and Richmond and Talladega and this past week at Dover. Those are really good races and entertaining races, and I don't think anybody missed the cup drivers being in them. Well, and you mentioned
1: no cup drivers in those Dash for Cash races. We have some off-site races coming up, likely no cup drivers there, no cup drivers in the playoffs for the Xfinity Series. Would the fans want to see a total ban of cup drivers in the Xfinity Series races?
4: I think some would, but I think you just hit it for me. For in the Dash for Cash four standalones this summer, seven at the end of the year. I I think we're in that kind of sweet spot there, Marty, where we've got some cup drivers in the series, but not the whole series. So I think there are some fans who would rather just have them all the way out. But I think we're pretty close to where we are. And you make a really good point. We've got Mid-Ohio. We've got Road America. We've got two races at Iowa. You're going to see standalone Xfinity Series races this summer with probably no cup drivers in those races as well.
1: All right, lots of talk on the channel about Kevin Harvick, obviously, and for good reason. How's the fan reaction been to Kevin Harvick winning four races this early in the season? Because I dare to say if this was Jimmy Johnson or even Kyle Busch winning that much and this early, the fan reaction would be quite different.
4: Yeah, I guarantee if it were Jimmy Johnson and Kyle Busch, it would be quite different. Kevin winning four out of the 11 that he has has really, I think, struck a chord with a lot of the fan base. I think Kevin Harvick is in a little different area than where he was maybe even just two, three years ago. I think part of it is he's out there more. I mean, he does a show on our channel, on SiriusXM. I think he's connected with a lot more fans that way as well. And the fact that he's doing the well as, as well as he has, I think a lot of fans like that. And I think they like that the, the veteran guy is sort of showing the kids, and we talked so much in the offseason about this youth movement, showing the kids that he can still get it done and get it done at right now, almost a 500-pacer in the first 11 races of the season.
1: Well, And let's talk a little bit more about that. I know he loves being the old guy who wins these races, but for all the talk about a youth movement, do fans enjoy seeing the veterans sort of dominate, especially a guy like Harvick?
4: I think they like the fact that we got the juxtaposition between the two, Marty. Six of the last 14 cup races have been won by guys who, 40 years or older. We still have a lot of young drivers in there. And I think the fans like the fact that these battle lines are sort of drawn a little bit, that there's the old guard, the old school, the Harvicks, and then Truex Jr. and Kyle Busch, you could certainly put in that category. Clint Boyer, for sure. But you're seeing these guys, these younger guys, get a little closer. I think Kyle Larson, it's just a matter of time before he wins. Ryan Blaney, the same way. I think the fans just sort of like the fact that the veterans are showing the way right now, but the young guys are lurking there. And I think that's a great storyline for the fans to follow. By the way, you know, on
1: Sundays, you and Brendan Gaughan have the show, the fantasy show on Sirius XM NASCAR radio. You had Parker Klingerman on this past Sunday. I just want to point out, he is 736 in our league. You might want to pick some better guys to go on the fantasy show on with you on Sunday.
4: Well, I I mean, no offense to Parker, (laughs) but I kind of had a dartboard and 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 an arrow, and I would have had better picks than he did this past week. You're right about that. Sorry, Parker. (laughs) All right, we'll all try to do better this weekend, no doubt about it. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Marty. Talk to you soon.
1: We're all going to be better without a dartboard, though, DJ. We're going to do a little bit more calculated guesses than that. Hey, a very special edition of the Dale Jr. Download coming up. The pal Papa talks about his baby daughter, Isla, and how his life has changed forever.
4: NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. And by Duluth
1: Trading. Tough, ingenious workwear designed and tested by tradesmen. Well, as anyone who's ever had a child knows, your life changes instantly. And just nine days into fatherhood, Dale Earnhardt Jr. already knows that feeling. Here's part one of a very special Dale Jr. Download.
5: Let's get to the show. What we got? Well, you know, we could talk about
2: Kevin Harvick winning Dover yesterday. Yeah. Or we could talk about Junior Motorsports finishing one two. Mm-hmm. But we all know that's not what we're here to talk about, Dale. It's not. We're here to talk about the trophy you brought home. <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> you got her parked up right by the Harley J. Earl. No, uh, no, man, no. No. Been one week to the day. To the day, yeah. And you, you literally
1: left the the Joey Logano taping of the Dell Junior download. Yes. And at some point, you ended up at the hospital that day. Okay. (laughs) You're right. So uh,
5: we got done uh, finishing up with the download uh, with Joey. I went home, and me and Amy had an appointment at the doctor scheduled that day, this little checkup. And she said, I am not 100% sure, but I believe that my water broke. And so I had had a car prepared and ready for weeks, you know, for this. I had the car seat in there. I was so worried that I wouldn't, I wasn't gonna be at the house when she needed to go to the hospital. I was so worried that I wasn't gonna be there, and that I wouldn't, I wanted to drive her to the hospital. That was really important to me. And we're still going for this checkup. We've talked to our doctor, and he's like, "Just come on in. We'll, you know, we'll just do the checkup and see what's up." Because we'd already, um, you know, we'd already thought that her water had broken at one point about a week before and went in for a regular checkup, and, and everything was fine. So uh, we get there. They go through the whole normal checkup and the things that we typically do. And, uh, you know, her doctor was great. He comes in there, and he says, well, I think it's time. And so we're like, really? <laughs> <laughs> like, we're both excited yeah. that, you know. And he's, he's like, yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's time. And I'm like, man, because cause for the last several days, me and Amy were literally just sitting there looking at each other, going, "Man, the seconds are just ticking by. It's so slow for her to get here." A couple hours go by, and they come in there, and they go, "It's time to push." You know, if, you know. I didn't know that. Uh, you know, they were like, you know, you could probably wait. I don't know why you'd want to wait, but you could wait. You know, we've waited before. You know, if the husband's twenty minutes away or something and trying to get here, we sometimes wait. But there's no reason to wait. I didn't know it was so flexible. I didn't either, actually. <laughs> yeah. When it's time, it's time. Right. Wow. And so they're like, but if you're ready to have a baby, we can have it. Let's have it. So me and Amy were like, let's go. So <laughs> an hour later, we had our baby, and she had all her fingers and toes and cute little face. And I got to uh, cut the cord, and they weighed her, you know, and I'm there. And, and you're, uh, you're so... It's like you're, there's your baby, you know, yeah. sitting right there on this little table getting weighed, and you just can't wait to get her in your arms. And you're like, I can't believe this person, it's a person. You know, all these things are just coming into your head and, and rushing into your heart. And I was so proud of Amy. Amy was, Amy was awesome. And she worked, you know, she worked really, really hard. This whole week, I keep uh, telling Amy she reminds me of a pit crew car comes down pit road hops in the box as soon as it it's like clockwork it hits this line the crew jumps over goes to work <laughs> does the work that's the crew right. goes over the wall car leaves and then the everybody's back watching the race and it's mechanical and it's instinctual and so she, <laughs> she that's the way she's been she, yeah. she baby comes out she knows what to do she's doing it she's not crying not emotional she's just um, you know instinctual doing her job doing right? a mother thing yeah and i'm a basket of nerves yeah. and crying, and oh, you guys! I mean, uh, you know, I look at Amy, and I'm like, "You're so strong," and I'm just in awe of yeah. how strong Amy is. So I've, I've been, uh, <laughs> I've been the one that's kind of have a hard time holding it together this whole week. Because every time I look at Isla, I want to cry. Every time I look at Amy and her together, when Amy's holding her or feeding her, I just can't. Uh, believe this is in my life you know i i just can't believe you know sometimes i don't know how this is going to sound but i te- I told amy this the other day sometimes i think i feel like i'm in that movie which one um truman um i think that's his name the truman show <laughs> the the jim carrey movie? yes yeah so you
1: feel like it's all just part yeah yeah was,
5: i feel like i'm gonna wake up and it or, you know, I'm gonna poke a hole in the wall and, and realize it's feel not real, <laughs> <Yes>. yeah, <laughs> like his boat did, right? Yeah, um, <laughs> like his boat remember? ran into the side yes. of the wall, right. right? Yeah, so I, um, I just feel like I'm in the movie, yeah, it's so weird. I go outside with Gus to throw the ball, and I just stand there and I just think about like how perfect my life is, you know, the month of May is. The weather's been amazing. Every I mean I go outside, it's like the sun's brighter and <laughs> the air's fresher and you know what I'm saying? It's just a, It was cold and rainy before Isla came and then all of a sudden it's yeah. like it's like the Truman Show weather. Exactly. <laughs> Somebody's pulling a tree. Right, um, right. None of my interests matter. Or they all take a back seat. Absolutely. And you know, the things that I want to do on a day off or, or or where I think I might invest my money or what I might do for myself here or treat myself here or what you know. All that's not even the only Matt. God, it was right. so freaking important a yep. week ago, right? And it all it is not on the same damn planet no more. And <laughs> I sit there and I'm like, I just want. I'm t- <laughs> I'm like Amy. I just want to give her everything. I just want to give her everything. I just want to give her. i to do everything she says. I'm gonna do everything she says. <laughs>
1: More of that coming later. I am always struck. I mean, here's a guy I've known 25 years. You've known him his entire life. Mm -hmm. Just how humble he is. I mean, just telling the story, just like you're sitting with your neighbor next door who just had his baby.
2: Who would have ever thought that we would see this side of Dale Jr.? And for everybody to see there, and I think it's so great. I sent him a text on Saturday just checking up to see how he and Amy and the baby mm-hmm. were doing. And you know, seldom do you get something through a text message that you feel like you, you actually get the feelings of it. But he told me that. He said, I'm never going to leave her side. But you, <laughs> through the text, and, and it went for six or eight texts back and forth, but I could tell the feeling and the love that he has for Allah right now. It's just unbelievable. And we know how it changes your life. It I does. told him when it happened, I said, there's nothing better going to come along in your life ever, ever. So uh, he's embracing this.
1: And, and here's a sports superstar, DJ. He's just a normal guy. Yeah. I mean, he's just oh, a guy, you know, trying to say, hey, this has been this awesome moment in my life. Mm-hmm. I just want to share it with all my friends. And yeah. that just sound like yeah, just what he great. was.
2: Yeah, exactly. And it's great for everybody that you can see that. It's pretty incredible.
1: And, and Nate, I know he kind of mentioned the timing of all this. I mean, it couldn't be any better. Here he has his fantastic career, right? He retires. And then now he has the baby with Amy. I mean, everything worked out perfect for Dale Jr.
3: Yeah, I mean, it really did, Marty. You know, in my previous life as a newspaper reporter, my first one on one with Dale Jr. was in Speed Weeks 2006. And at that time, Dale Jr. told me that he wanted to drive until he was 50. He wanted to race until he was 50 years old. And I think if he would have told 2006 Dale Jr. that, hey, you're not going to race past 43, he would have been disappointed. But 2018 Dale Jr., obviously, you can see it. It's abundantly obvious from the the video and the podcast that we just heard and watched that he is in a really, really, really good place in his life and he's very happy, and, you know, he made the Truman Show reference. A lot of things have happened to Dale Jr. over the last 20 years, and they haven't always been like what happened to Jim Carrey in the Truman Show. I mean, what happened in his life was mostly good. <laughs> Dale Jr. has been through a lot of ups and downs, and I think we can all relate to just as human beings who go through a lot in life that it's really cool to see him go through everything that has transpired for him in the last two decades and land in this spot in his life where he's clearly just a happy person.
1: And DJ, we're diving into the personal life a little bit, yeah. but I agree with what Nate said. He, does, I mean, being around him in the last few weeks, he seems happier than he's ever been. I would, oh, I would no agree. doubt.
2: Yeah, and that's a great point that Nate brings up. That he's been through so much, so much more than most of us ever have to go through in our lives, and it's been out there for the entire world to see. And now he's putting this out there for the entire world to see, and it's good to see. You know, my dad always told me good things happen to good people, and that's what's happening right here. And you think about it. Dale Jr.'s experience in this, and we know how it changes your life. But just think about people, Kyle Bush and Kevin Harvick and Jimmy Johnson and others, as they become fathers, how they've changed towards the media, but how the racing has improved, too. So uh, there's no doubt that these uh, kids and these babies do change your life and your perspective on things uh, much for the better.
1: Well, as we mentioned, more of that Dale Earnhardt Jr. conversation coming up later in NASCAR America. Coming up next, this weekend marks the return of Matt Kenseth to the Cup Series competition at Kansas. We'll reveal some of the other tracks where Kenseth will be racing at the weeks coming up. That's all straight ahead on NASCAR America. The best field in golf returns to TPC Sawgrass and its world-famous Island Green at 17 to battle for their championship. The Players, Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern on Golf Channel and Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern on NBC. And how about some of these groupings for Thursday? Check this out, DJ. Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, Roy McIlroy playing together. Yes, start
2: out early in the morning, drinking coffee and watching these great guys play. Maybe only outdone by the afternoon wow. group there. What the, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson,
1: and Ricky Fowler. Yeah, the only impressive. time
2: probably that Ricky Fowler is not going to be one of the most popular <laughs> right. in his group here. But oh, my gosh, the, the fans are getting around that group. Unbelievable. You, you great to those, see Tiger and Phil. You know
1: those orange shirts are still going to be following oh, that yeah, group. No they'll, they'll still be, be there. Fun. By the way, I have a feeling that you might have a, a story of the 17th green. Do you? <laughs>
2: I have plenty of stories about everything, <laughs> but yeah, i played there some, but we had a deal uh, before the, what was the 2004 season, 2005 Super Bowl, which was in Jacksonville. And so it was uh, athletes from different sports and baseball players, football players, a couple of race drivers, myself and Rusty Wallace. Elimination right. deal, hitting to the 17th green. We had a wind in our face. I was having to hit a seven iron trying to hit this green. But anyway, it was an elimination deal, and somehow, some way, I ended up winning this thing over John Smoltz, who was the, by far the best golfer, but hit one bad shot, and I was fortunate to take advantage of it and get it on the green in the final round of it and, and win this little deal. But I, I couldn't imagine trying to stand up there and win a golf tournament. With a crowd around? Oh, unbelievable. <laughs> I, I, my hands sweat when I see them doing it,
1: so just watch it. I was going to say, you buried the headline. You beat John Smoltz. I mean, that's no easy feat, is it? Yeah, he would Smoltz beat me a good every golfer. day on the
2: golf course. I right. just got
1: lucky one time here on All the right. Well, I'm glad you had a chance to play 17. You know, yes. it's an awesome course to go play. Tomorrow here on NASCAR America, lots of cool stuff. Much more on the Xfinity takeover in Philadelphia. We'll hear from some of the drivers there. We'll bring you a one-on-one interview with Matt Kenseth as he prepares to make his return at Kansas. And we'll scan all Dover. Here's a little sample.
4: I think I'm running out. I thought we're in the best shape of anybody, we're just, we're allergic to stage points. 22's holding up everybody behind you. God bless him for that, too. Appreciate him. Drive
0: shaft out of it.
2: I don't
4: think they're going to throw it. Yeah, there's freaking oil everywhere. About crash twice. No caution. Keep breathing. Oil everywhere. F-ing oil everywhere. Oil everywhere. Oil, oil. 4 Green, green, green. Come on, downstairs.
1: stupid. Well, Matt Kenseth hopes to avoid trouble, like you just heard, at Dover in his return Saturday night at Kansas, and he's also also making sure to keep expectations in check.
4: I don't really have any expectations for this weekend. My hope is that it goes smooth on Friday, and uh, all this stuff kind of kind of fits and you get comfortable fast, and, and you get to work on the car and get it driving. So there's very little practice, so I'm just hoping. Uh, I'm hoping Friday goes smooth, and if that goes smooth, then hopefully it will be okay Saturday.
1: Well, it's official here. Kenseth is back. Nate, we'll start with you. You actually spent some time with Matt today. Did you get a sense from from him overall about his feeling about getting back behind the wheel?
3: Well, I think you heard a little bit of it right there, Marty. He is cautiously optimistic about how this weekend will go, but he's not setting any sort of definitive goals on where he wants to finish. He told me that I could finish fifth, I could finish 25th. He's more concerned about just having things go right, and especially on Friday. You know, the race is the race, but he's worried about Friday, you know, making sure that he works well with crew chief Matt Pucha, who he's worked with once before in the Xfinity Series, but not at the cup level, getting to know his guys, making sure his steering wheel is right, making sure his... His dashboard is in the right place. He's just worried about working out any potential kinks on Friday. But I think once he did that, you know, he joked with me that there's no rust. I'm sure DJ could speak to this. He said once he makes a couple of laps, it'll be just like riding a bike and he'll be comfortable again behind the wheel.
1: Uh, well, DJ, and we've talked about expectations here so mm-hmm. far. I think you feel pretty strongly about what's fair and what's unfair to put on Matt Kenseth in terms of expectation-wise. What, where does that line kind of drawn?
2: Yeah, well, so let's address the rust that he just talked about. There's not going to be any rush. once he makes a couple <laughs> laps. He is so talented that that's going to go away. The the problem lies that are they going to get enough laps? And what are those expectations? I think with Matt Kenseth, as we heard him talk, he's going to be realistic about this. It's what everyone else expects. Oh, we're going to put Matt in the car. All of a sudden, we're going to go be a top ten car. No, I don't. I think that would be very high expectations. I think if he gets a top 15, that's going to be an outstanding day. What is good for them, and I read Nate's uh, article that that he put out this afternoon saying that he's got basically five weeks in a row in this race car. And and I think that's the good thing as I look ahead to what this is all about. And that's helping Roush Fenway become a better organization, give their drivers better race cars. And Matt is the person that's going to help them do that. If he can give them good information from Kansas and then the All-Star race, they can have new cars built by Pocono and certainly by Michigan Hmm. uh, with information he may give them if that's the direction, if they need to go that far. So what he's going to help them do is to become better quicker than what they can get from their young drivers. So uh, let's not worry as much uh, about the finish and what all of that, what all that happens uh, on Saturday night. Uh, At Kansas, let's think more about the information they're going to get from Matt and how they move forward from there. And how they build on that
1: information and make things better. Well, so, Nate, uh, DJ touched on the article on NBCSports.com. You've kind of narrowed in on that schedule. What does the schedule look like?
3: Yeah, the next five race weekends in a row, Marty, which would be uh, this weekend, obviously, Kansas, then All-Star Race, Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte, and then Pocono Raceway, Michigan International Speedway. He'll do all of those races, and then we'll have the off week And then after that, NASCAR will go to Sonoma. And from what I understand, that will be a Trevor Bain race again. That is an AdvoCare-sponsored race. I checked with some people at Roush Fenway racing today. And it's expected that Trevor Bain will be in the number six car for the AdvoCare races. So Matt Kenseth in for the next five race weekends in number six. And I think you'll see Trevor Bain at Sonoma.
1: You mentioned how critical those five races in a row are, DJ. But you said they can turn around information and even get a brand-new car ready for Pocono. But how quickly does Matt have to kind of dissect what's going on and be able to provide that information
2: Saturday night to say, hey, here's the direction we should go? Well, it's asking a lot because he's going to, you know, just getting back into the competition and everything of it and and getting your feel for what's going on with the cars this year because they're going to be different than what he drove last year. So that that could take a little bit of time in knowing, you know. But Matt's going to be, he's so good at understanding understanding okay this is an area where we really need to work on the chassis a little bit and maybe make some changes there and do what we can uh, arrow-wise because, you know, they're in such a, a box there. But the good thing on his side is there are forwards performing at a very very high level. So it is uh, something that's attainable uh, if they can he can get them headed in the right direction.
1: All right, let's talk about the tough spot here in the Trevor Bain side of this whole thing, DJ. Is there a best way for Matt to kind of handle this? Because it's a difficult position. He's kind of taking races from Trevor, mm-hmm. but he's also trying to help the organization be better. How does he balance that?
2: Well, but Matt is a good person. He understands that. And, and, you know, he knows what what it's like to, to be in that type of situation or understands what Trevor may be feeling. He reached out. They've talked. So those are all good things that you would expect from Matt Kenseth to do that. And, and he's not coming back here to, to try to put Trevor out of anything. This is to make the organization better. And I think Trevor being on hand, a lot of these things are just going to be better, it, just keeping that line of communication open and, and understanding whose role it is and, and what he's there for. And, and I think they have put that beside them that this is to make the organization better. You know, this was a place that... Trevor Bane and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. got opportunities because Matt Kenseth and Carl Edwards and others left because it was on a downhill slide mm-hmm. and it just hasn't recovered. So to ask these young drivers to bring it back up, you know, that's a, a tall order for them. So getting some very veteran help here, uh, I think, is probably welcome. After you get over the initial shock, if you're Trevor sure. Bain, that hey, I am getting kicked out of the car, this is something that's going to be beneficial to him in the long run.
1: Nate, you mentioned in your article that conversation between the two of them. Did you get a sense today of how that conversation went?
3: Yeah, you know, Marty, as DJ alluded to, it, it seems like it went pretty well from, from Matt's perspective and they, they talked for the first time this past week for about 30 minutes to an hour and then they met in person today for the first time because Trevor Bain lives in Knoxville, Tennessee commutes to uh, North Carolina for the, the weekly debrief. So he also, uh, Matt Kenseth is expecting that Trevor Bain will be in Kansas this weekend. So I would say that's a pretty good sign that these guys have worked things out if Trevor Bain is willing to go to a racetrack and watch somebody else drive his car this weekend.
1: And that's another good nugget in your article and what does that say real quick to you about trevor bain's character dj that hey he didn't have to be in kansas but he's going to show up and be there to support his race team
2: yeah and and that's the best thing for him is to show that you know it it does no one especially uh, trevor bain any good to Distance himself from them because he still has a stake in this. That he's going to get better race cars because Matt is willing to come in and help, uh, and they're going to get help get this turned around. So this still gives him an opportunity. They make these race cars better. He's an outstanding driver that he can get in there and go do what he is trying to do, and that's get in the top five and have a chance to win races. One of Matt Kenseth's good friends,
1: Kyle Petty, and here's what Matt tweeted in advance of the Kyle Petty charity ride. His full support for the ride, which kicked off this past Saturday. Good luck to everyone. Going on the Kyle Petty charity ride, and always great raising money for Victory Junction. So let's check in on the ride, see where it is today. And they have kicked it off in uh, Pennsylvania, actually further north than that, didn't they, DJ? In Maine. Now they've gone south from there. So the cool things that they have done so far is they visited Pocono, they visited New Hampshire. They got a big donation of $77,000 from the Mannheim Auto Auction folks. And there they are on the road right there. But the coolest thing maybe that they did was they went to see Mario Andretti after the $77,000 check they got. So Mario Andretti not only let them kind of hang out, he let them in their house. Everybody on the ride, not not in the garage, <laughs> not in the museum,
2: at his house. That's Mario's house, DJ. He let Rutledge in there, so that I really know. Tells, well, you that tells you. i you a lot world, about but that. But that's right? Mario Andre. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just so great. Yeah, you know, this is the entire thing is fantastic. What Kyle has done over the years in this, uh, the opportunity to to raise more money for Victory Junction Gang Camp, just everything going on. But for Mario Andretti, this doesn't surprise me about Mario Andretti. I'll tell you, one of the classiest people I've ever known in my entire life. Uh, he could win in anything that he got in. He probably has the best racing name that anybody that I've right, ever heard right. is outstanding. And he's always been uh, such a friend to so many drivers. I know other drivers, including myself, as I won my championship in 99. I opened a piece of mail that was a handwritten letter from Mario Andretti congratulating me. And I know that there's other drivers that have gotten calls, texts, and letters uh, also. So uh, just an incredible person that he is. And once again, just showing what a good person he really is. Well, if you want to learn more about the Kyle Petty Charity Ride, check out
1: kylepettycharityride.com. Coming up on NASCAR America, Moral of Dale Earnhardt Jr. talking about how his life has changed with the birth of his daughter. That's next. Welcome back. Dale Earnhardt Jr. and his wife, Amy, have been settling in with their new daughter, Isla Rose Earnhardt, who was born on April 30th. After Amy shared the news on social media, Dale replied that it was a new beginning for his family. He talked about it more in part two of this week's Dale Jr. Download.
5: So there's, here's a couple of things that are surprising to me. Um, the, the hiccups. They hiccup Oh yeah, so much.
4: And crazy like
5: long, yeah, turn, like ten minutes of hiccup, <laughs> nothing, you know. So that's interesting because you can't do anything about it, and they sound they're they're heavy, yeah, they're like heavy. violent, yeah, they're, yeah, they're for intense. a little tiny thing, yeah. the hiccup. It's like it's it rocks <laughs> our world, right? <laughs> it's so, a Richter scale hiccup, yeah. So she's really good most of the time. Doesn't hardly get upset about nothing, you know. But when we change her. She hates her legs not being covered, and so when her legs are out, she's screaming. It's almost <laughs> like a switch you know you can cover the leg she's fine, open the le- you know pull her legs out she doesn't like it the cold just that little bit didn't temperature change she's gonna start crying and so I like to change her diaper because it's it's a it's a parenting experience you know to 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 keep her clean and Keep her dry and all those things, but she hates it, you know. So that I I like that probably the best the diaper changes, but it's something that she doesn't like. I wish we both enjoyed it, but um, wow, we'd have lost this prop bet, yeah, right? (laughs) Like, totally (laughs) would have lost it, it. yeah. As soon (laughs) as we, uh, well, the thing about it is it's cool. As soon as you get her new diaper on and get her little, uh, get her, you know, get her legs covered, whether she's in the bunny sack or whatever, she just. No, she just goes right back to normal, (laughs) just real quickly. And then you, I like the bunny sack because I can grab that extra material from the bottom and lift her up and put my hand under her and pick her up so easy. I hate grabbing her by her limbs, like when you pull her, when you get, when you put a new diaper underneath her and have to pick her up by her legs. It feels, yeah, uncomfortable to me. I just don't like. The first time I did it, it felt like I was like roping a calf or something. Yes. Not that
4: I've done that, but yeah. it was like odd until you get used it to it and you're odd. like, okay.
5: I'm not quite used to it yet. I do it because <laughs> you got to get the diaper under there. A diaper change can take a while because – and it might end up ruining a couple diapers before you finally get one on there. Hey, part of it. That's one – That's I mean, this for a new dad. Yep. I'm like, man, I thought you just changed it and – no. We'll put one under there. She'll pee in it before I can even get it wrapped up. <laughs> Pull that one out. Put it on now the whole back now the whole change of table's wet. Now her back's wet. Now, yep. you know, might have to change her clothes. Um the other thing that uh me and Amy were talking about this morning is her grunting. She grunts constantly. And she's fine. She's not and she's it's her she's trying to use the bathroom. So she grunts like uh, So you can hear it coming. Uh, oh yeah. I mean, this is what she does for hours, and uh, when I hold her, <laughs> when I it's this is weird, but how much they use the bath? I mean, people told me that they were going to use the bathroom a lot. Yeah, but they for them using the bathroom is yeah, breathing <laughs> an interesting experience, yeah. and they smile when they use the no, bathroom. Oh, they feel great. Oh yeah, <laughs> we catch her, So I didn't know how long it was going to take us to see her smile. I couldn't wait to see her smile and she smiles all the time when she's using her using the bathroom. So that to me was pretty interesting and funny. Um it's trying to catch one of them on the phone's kind of hard to do. <laughs> but she'll just smirk. She smirks the Earnhardt smirk some where oh, she does really? side. I'm yeah. sure all babies do the one-sided smirk, but I, I I like to tell Amy that's the Earnhardt in her coming out cuz that's how Daddy always smiles and Jeffrey and Carrie. and me and Amy sit there and hold you know look at her and we're going Amy's like man I I can't wait till uh you know, she's she's old enough to, to talk to us and, and we communicate with her and um all those things. So so much to look forward to. I can't wait till she gives me little kisses on the cheek and calls uh, me daddy and all those things. Um I definitely do not want to rush it. If that, it get here when it gets here. I know you know all about this, uh, both of you really as fathers. Um I don't know, I'm just Hard to hard to comprehend, you know, just how how good this past week's been.
1: From the category of things you never thought you'd hear Dale Earnhardt Jr. say or hear on NASCAR America, DJ some we've, some insight there. We've from, covered it today. There's <laughs> we, no doubt about it. We have, it. you know, hey, when you have a baby, you're up awfully early. So Dale Earnhardt Jr. proved that this morning. Now the tweet looks like it's innocent enough. He's actually supporting Jack Roush in his candidacy for the Hall of Fame, but. Check out the time of the tweet, DJ. 3:16 a.m. Three six
2: Yes, that's what dads do now. Yeah, but now let's let's make this clear. He was up with a bottle at 3:16. It's not the first time he's been up at 3:16 a.m. <laughs> with a bottle, just a different type.
1: I think the bottle has changed for dale Jr. and life has certainly changed for him as well. Well, straight ahead, we'll check out some of the highlights of today's Xfinity Series takeover in Philadelphia. Plus, our panel weighs in on how the Xfinity Series regulars have been making their mark on the 2018 season. It's next on NASCAR America. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. As we mentioned a little earlier, the Xfinity Series did a takeover in Philadelphia today. DJ, many of the drivers were there signing autographs. Looks like a great turnout, doesn't it? Absolutely. The fans out to see the Xfinity Series drivers and also a little cheesesteak action. Man. I had a salad for lunch, DJ. We should yeah. have taken the train to Philly for for lunch. I'm we how do we miss out on this, man? Yes, absolutely. Nate, were you aware of this I wasn't aware there'd be cheesesteaks involved. I'm I'm, I'm I upset now, you know. Yeah. I knew it was tie day. I didn't know it was cheesesteak day. <laughs> Very good. All right, so let's talk about this. We talked about it with Pete earlier. Nate, I'd love to get your thoughts about the cup drivers in the Xfinity Series. Where do you kind of land on this? And it seems like fan, this has really resonated with fans over the last few races when there's been no cup drivers in these Dash for Cash races. Do you What do you think about it?
3: Yeah, it really has resonated, I think, Marty. And I think I would agree with Pete that – I think that that should tell NASCAR that based off the positive reaction from the last few Xfinity races, that the rules that they put in, whether it was drivers can only race for points in one series, whether it's restricting the number of Xfinity races cup drivers can run, I think they've worked. And I think the lesson should be you probably don't need any more rules at this point because I think things are working themselves out naturally and fans are responding in a positive way. And I think that tells NASCAR that the way things are right now are, are good in the Xfinity series. Well, the current rules, Nate kind of mentioned some of
1: them, but DJ, I know you have very strong feelings on this topic and and you've had very strong feelings for a while. What do you think as we look at the current rules, the rules should be? for Cup drivers in the Xfinity Series.
2: I agree with Nate. I think we've hit a really good balance with what we have right now. And the feelings that I've had over the years are, I, I'm not opposed to the Cup drivers being there. I think they should have to drive their own cars like many of us did coming up through. And because, as we've seen a number of times when they've tried to do it, they don't win nearly as much. It still makes for great racing. So that's kind of what I think about it. But I really like the balance that we've struck right now. It's making for some great racing.
1: And when you say we did it, you mean you, guys like you and
2: Dale yeah. Earnhardt Sr., you guys yes. have had your own team, and you went out and ran out of your own shop. Yeah, it didn't come from the cup, guys. When, anytime that they're getting all of that assistance there, it makes things more difficult. But I understand it takes money to make all of this happen, too. I know one thing, DJ, it's going to be a debate that goes on forever, forever
1: because it's been a debate that's been going on forever. <laughs> anyway, that's all for NASCAR America. For all of your NASCAR news, log on to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR. We'll be back here tomorrow, 530 Eastern. Thanks for watching.